Welcome to the third series of my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. I'm Lisa. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and a business owner of It's Time for Change, I'm lucky enough to get involved with so many different aspects of employee engagement and experience. Whether that's about leadership style, mental health, the metaverse, attention and recruitment, after action reviews, or so much more, there is something on this podcast for everyone. My mantra is simple, get people right, get business right. You'll get to hear from some really interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. So we are discussing a big topic today, the metaverse, in fact. Um, and now when I, when I think about topics that I would cover on this podcast, I have to admit, Magnus, that this topic would never have been one of them that would have been on my list of things to consider when we talk about employee experience, um, workplace culture, how people engage at work. Um, but actually, having spoken to you, it's so relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's really obvious we need to have this conversation. So I'm really pleased to be joined by you, Magnus Wood. Um, you are co- co-founder of the Kindness Corporation. So welcome, Magnus. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here and uh, very much looking forward to exploring this topic with you. And I love the fact that you're my first guest, I think, who has joined me on this podcast from a boat. Uh, Yes, rather sadly, and it makes me sad, you can't actually see that there is a river out there because just the way the light's coming in. But every so often you see a boat go past and people go, what What was that boat? Well, the other one people say is, are you in a train carriage? And I go, no, I'm I'm in a boat. So yes, I live and work on a houseboat for most of the week. Um, I also, another thing I love about talking with you, Magnus, is a lot of the stuff that you talk about and you focus on are quite, in a sense, quite abstract concepts. And, but I love the way you bring them back to a, a kind of earth with a big, bit of a thump. There's that sense of, actually, let's take this abstract stuff like kindness. That kindness. That kindness. <laughs> and just work out how to make it something that's really tangible and actually look at what, how that makes a real difference. Like it's not as airy-fairy stuff um, that just means we go around smiling at each other. It actually has a big impact on how um, businesses perform. Mm. So, and you're you're a complete expert in um, in that field. So I'm I want to unpick some of those abstract concepts as well today, which actually fits in with the whole sure. metaverse really well. But let's start with hearing a little bit more about yeah, yeah. you and your company and the kind of the impact that it has on businesses. Sure, um, abstract concepts. Yeah, I think it's uh, I'm blessed to be doing something which is relatively rare, which is a kind of blessing and a curse because it's like, <laughs> oh, I've never spoken to anyone about kindness at work before, and and then there's the problem because people never talk about it. But if I, if I roll right back, you know, why why do I do what I do? Um, basically, had a, a corporate career, um, sort of in all sorts of things, marketing, communications, content. Ended up running a multi-million uh, pound uh, content production company uh, for an e-commerce retailer based in the UK who are very nasty people and I'm on a boat so my values are here my values are right at the other end of the 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 boat Um, and so basically I I left and thought you know what I've always believed that one of the roles of a leader is to create the environment for people to do their best ever work but never really saw enough of it and I don't think being a leader in many senses there's that much more complicated you know you have to hold space for people so that they can thrive and and, and thrive you know for on their behalf and on the behalf of the company you run so 
and basically went into that, went into doing some culture work with organizations, basically working in places to help people thrive, help them be more attached to purpose and, and just generally sort of be a better place to work. Um, and then COVID sort of reared its, its uh, <laughs> head. Uh, but just beforehand, so this is in February 2020, I had three different clients all independently say to me that they wanted to create kinder working cultures. And I'm a great believer that the universe gives you messages. You've got three people, separate conversations, didn't know each other. Um, so basically, that's where my kindness journey started. I, I used the lockdown when, when there wasn't much going on economically and we we're all stuck inside reading books and drinking wine and eating cheese and stuff. Um, and I, I basically read every single research report on kindness in general, but also specifically kindness at work. And I found two mm. things, essentially there's not that much conversation about kindness at work, but everything that I found about kindness at work, every study just in general, but everything, you know, the few studies that existed about kindness at work <clears throat> pointed to the fact that all of the dimensions that you want to go up, you know, creativity, innovation, trust, teamwork, psychological safety, you know, all the kind of plus stuff goes up and all the negative stuff, you know, uh, poor mental health, you know, sort of, you know, conflict and all the rest of it goes down when organizations focus on kindness. So it became very obvious to me that kindness was one of these like force multipliers that when organizations, particularly senior management show kindness from the very top, you know, when that's modeled, there are so many positive kindness benefits. And, you know, that's now gone on to the work that we do globally, working with organizations to encourage them to, to create more kindness within their cultures. And we've now got evidence points for 15 distinct benefits on kindness. You know, so when I'm asked about what's the ROI of kindness, uh, there are at least 15 and multiple evidence for, for points for them. And as I'm sure I mentioned a few times on the website, there's explainers. That's one of the explainers that we have on there, which is what's the ROI of kindness. And that's why I do what, what we do. And basically, I sum it all up with um, the problem is that work sucks for too many people, most people. Gallup, uh, four years ago, so it found that 85% of people were disconnected from work. So work sucks for too many people. And the problem is that leaders need these people to thrive. So it's a, it's a problem for them as well. And that's essentially what, with kindness, we kind of lean into and, and help. And I think it, I just love the, your whole focus on something that is so incredibly meaningful. And, and I love the fact you've made your career out of something which is essentially should be so simple. Um, mm. Yet it's something that I can imagine for some companies, it's still you still having to kind of bash on their doors and try and convince them to take the stuff seriously. Or do you think that more people are engaging with these kind of simple these sort of fundamental needs if you like it's so the the short answer is there's still a job to be done in terms of communicating to to people at all sorts of levels about the power of kindness at work you know when i when i do sessions and i've talked to entire organizations when you talk to people kind of you know at the, the sort of at every level particularly lower levels and you talk about one of the things I get them to do is I get them to remember an experience of kindness at work and I get people to go back to a place when someone shared kindness with them uh, and then think about how they felt in that moment and then kind of think about how things changed and think about why that kindness happened you know what was the consequences of that kindness you know it does a couple of things it fires off all the happy hormones and neurotransmitters and all the rest of it that make people feel good as it did then but also makes them realize hey I didn't realize actually kindness is really powerful and when 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 
when we have it and we have a lot of it at work it really works well it, it then there's there's a there's a gap in the middle you know i'll talk a lot with leaders you know c-suite or founders who go yeah i want to run a kind a kind company our company could be kinder and one of the things we do is measure levels of kindness and benchmark um but there's a sort of space in the middle where where people kind of manage a level kind of you know where it all seems to get a bit lost and i think that's just it gets lost in the fact that we've all got so much on and kind of like you know here's another thing you're telling me to do you know first of all i had to be resilient now i've got to you're quite quitting now you're telling me you have to be kind you know there's all that going on yeah. so a lot of what we do is place its relevance in the working world and make people see that actually simple things like being kind to yourself being kind to colleagues being kind in a meeting letting everyone speak up is actually really powerful stuff and I think that's a really important point isn't it about it's it's not another thing to get your head around it actually underpins everything else that happens in an organization so yeah it's not supposed to be another oh my gosh now we've got something about kindness it's like this is the thing that if we get this right a lot it'll have that knock-on effect with so many different avenues and in, in across the whole organization um so mm. we have to stop thinking about it as like oh my gosh now i've got to get my head around a brand new concept um or look at how it how it fits for me so i read um in you in the blog that you've written and we'll put a reference to this in the show notes because it's um brilliant um you'd written working in our virtual world has made it easy for us to forget that behind the screens we are human and i guess maybe that that's where your interest in the metaverse comes from or is that sort of is that connected somehow to that connection between the metaverse and which is a quite I always think it was quite a different world to actual, you know, the human in us, the kind of human side of people. Is that, is that where the kind of connection comes from for you? I guess, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things. And if I go back to, you know, to what you're talking about, the metaverse, you're not an 18 year old who's been playing, playing GTA and all the rest Mm -hmm. of it for for kind of all of their, you know, their sort of, you know, the the life that they can remember. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things about the, the metaverse is that basically, you know, every kid pretty much is a gamer now, you know, every, every, you know, kids going to university, they're, 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 they're completely versed in the language and the culture and the experience of gaming for them. It's completely natural. You know, a lot of people, you know, sort of into their forties, you know, games, you know, for a very long time. So, so gaming, and and virtual experiences and being in virtual worlds is something that's very present for a lot of people and will increasingly become so so that's one reason one reason is the 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 kind of simple maths of the thing which is you know they'll just as technology advances as as we find working in virtual environments you know useful and you know there'll just be more of it but i think you know for me a lot of it rolls back to, to to covid and you know the the there's a sort of thing if we had known two years before covid what was going to hit we would have made a whole series of different decisions you know some people wouldn't have you know stayed in their house they wouldn't have bought the house they're in they would have moved to the country or whatever you know there would have been a whole set of things we would have done differently had we had the benefit of that foresight and you know had we known that we were going to be working you know virtually for a very long time remote and virtual you know kind of ongoing you know and and all strange combinations in between the, the simple truth of the, the metaverse is that we know it's coming. And probably as a quick sidebar, you know, kind of what is the metaverse? There's a, again, I'll put it in, uh, there's a lovely definition of it, which is, you know, relatively 
complex but basically it boils down to kind of persistent environments in which your you and your data can persist and be represented and you can interact with other you know sort of places and people in those those environments you know it is vr and a lot of it will be kind of headset and kind of you know sort of thing you wear around your face driven but the, the whole point and why the metaverse is so important it's about ways of living and working sort of which are mediated through technology and the kind of data consequences and the experience and life consequences for us so the metaverse you know i, I got very interested in, in in the metaverse when i started during lockdown to to hear lots of stories about how people working you know, in these little squares like we've got now, mm. how tough it was for them and how socially isolating it was for them and how they felt they were unable to connect properly with their colleagues. And, and I also heard some really positive things as well about how you know, people would say, you know, sort of oh, occasionally somebody would check in on me at the end of a Teams call. They'd say, how are you doing? Let's have a chat afterwards. And, and how, how powerful that was for, for their, their personal experience, their connection with their colleagues and, and making things better better so so what it was very obvious from kind of how we were working in COVID and how we work now is that you know we, we're, we're adjusting to how technology is for us so the more that we can think about things the more we can be aware of what's coming and the more that we as a as individuals who are not the tech giants can actually talk about what we want what we want our experience of living and working in the metaverse to be the better it is you know because I don't want there to be a situation in which say in two to three years time and and it's this sort of time frame for for elements of it which is suddenly you know your organization saying oh right okay well we've all got to be a virtual avatar in a representation of the um the the office and we've got to go and spend a day in there every every week you know because for a lot of people that will be a complete mind whoa what is that you know what, what on earth I, am I yeah doing? i completely i yeah i couldn't agree more because i think you know, with companies like you sort of talk about the tech giants with um, Facebook changing its name to Meta to um, supposedly encompass better what it does. Um, and it's their definitions about creating a world where people can game, work and communicate in a virtual environment. And it'd be not that long ago that the idea of wearing a VR headset as part of your everyday going to work or whatever would just sound a bit too alternative a bit crazy like sort of what you know the space age stuff but actually as you just described it is not that far off it's no mm -hmm. longer this kind of way off idea that's going to be for future generations it's going to be something that literally within an, a number of years that we are going to experience such an incredible jump in the way we work um but I, I mean let me give struggle. you a very simple example this is a, a whoop it's similar to a fitbit it's with me always, it's collecting data always, you know, I'm looking at that data. You know, who would have said that we'd be walking around, you know, Apple Watches all do the same, you know, permanently connected to the internet with data about our activities being collected and, mm. and used for our benefit, but also where, where where's all this data going? Who's who's using it kind of, you know, and we, we, we've walked into a lot of things with our with our eyes closed. We have an opportunity with the, with the metaverse and also because of our COVID experience to go, hang on, okay, so let's at least listen to you know and watch the things like this podcast so I can at least have a view on it at least have a sense of what's going on and if it's something that my company's talking about let's at least you know talk about it and, and work out what what works for us and what works for all the stakeholders that we work with so there'll be some people listening to this thinking 
okay, I still don't get how that's relevant to me, or, um, you know, what, what does that actually mean for my organisation? So tell us a bit more about actually what that means for workplaces, and in particular, what that means, you know, how it potentially can impact on employee experience. So what does that mean for employees going to work or working remotely if suddenly the metaverse is um, changing the way they're working? Um, well, here we, here we are on Zoom, you know, you kind of use Teams as well. So that's a perfect example of a, a small example of kind of like where, where things are going. So, you know, now it's, it's generally accepted that sort of, you know, we're going to do a video call or something like that. What if you are an introvert and you don't really want to be on screen and you've actually enjoyed the fact you kind of been able to be at home and kind of like, you know, whatever. So, you know, so... So, so there are there are issues. There, there are considerations. The so I was just looking at sort of you know who who's making a lot of moves and who's doing stuff in the uh, the metaverse who who isn't a tech giant. Well, Accenture, uh, you know the big four consulting firms, they're obviously in this space as well. And I was just looking at their, their website and they were talking about one of their managing director meetings where they basically got 150 people together in a representation of uh, a meeting room, which they, they created. And they were saying, oh, this is a brilliant opportunity for people to, to be physically present digitally as it were. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, it was a great meeting sort of the thing was the kind of, well, but, but did anyone talk to anyone about what that experience was going to be like? Did anyone sort of, you know, sort of ask anyone's permission to, to work in that way? Did people have conversations about the kind of the, the, the ways that we work in these environments, what it's like to be an avatar? How do you, how do you network, you know, unofficially and sort of in the way that these, these kind of meetings, when you physically get together, how does that work and all these things? So, you know, a lot of organisations will, will will jump on this because they they see efficiencies, they see technological advantages, they they see it as a thing to to get ahead of because actually they're getting ahead of of other organisations. Uh, and you know, the, here's another reason why you don't need a massive office anymore because everyone can put the headset on and be physically present. So so. The, 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 the thing is that organizations need to have conversations at all levels about, you know, what does it mean for them? What are they trying to achieve? It's like anything. What are you trying to achieve out of it? And what are what are the people consequences and people impacts? It's it's you know, I've worked in digital transformation over the years and, and, and digital transformation projects, you know, fail, not because of the technology in the main because of the people consequences and people mm. don't get on board with them as well. So, so really, you know, any organization of any size who's thinking about this and, and you should, and there are many advantages to, to kind of, you know, to adopting this. I mean, I know organizations that are using virtual spaces now to collaborate and they say it's brilliant. It's really, you know, if they can't physically get together, they say it's the next best thing, but you have to go into it with your eyes open about what you're doing, why, why you're doing it and what, are the people consequences? I mean, for example, I have never heard anyone ever talk about the DNI uh, sort of implications of, and I have no idea. I haven't sort of thought about it that much of, of the metaverse, you know. But there are sort of, you know, do you represent yourself as a white person, as a man, or or a fish? You know, it's kind of like yes. there is so much in this that that just sort of needs to be unpacked before yeah. before bang it's here suddenly you know your organization's done a deal with meta and we're all using you know their their virtual spaces without anyone telling us about it or thinking about it and and that's such a good point about you know what does your avatar look like because so many people will stress about how they communicate themselves what they're communicating 
what they should be communicating, how they how they want to come across. And that's all that's all being communicated through an avatar. And there's so, there's potentially so much politics involved in what that avatar looks like that a lot of people will stress about that. And companies won't necessarily give that a moment's thought mm. about how that how someone identifies or shows their identity through the avatar. Yeah, if, if you are, if you're in this space already, if you, you know, so there's Roblox and, and there's also, mm. you know, kind of, you know, all, if you're any any of these places, you will be, you'll be worrying about what your avatar looks like. You may, and, and millions and millions have been spent on virtual goods and clothing in, in these, these worlds. So, so if you, you're coming from this world, you're going to worry, you're going to wonder about that. You know, do I have basically have to show up like I show up at work or mm. can I be, you know, you know, whoever from planet, whatever. Yeah. And, and these these things are important because, you know, sort of, are you going to stifle creativity or are you going to, what, what are you going to let people do? Or uh, what is a meeting where, where you know, you're sitting there and two of the people are a dog and one's an alien, you know, kind of like, is, <laughs> is that a good thing or not? Nobody knows. And also for, you know, you've mentioned introverts. So remote working has, has suited a lot of people because they're no longer having to go into you know busy busy transport busy rooms and and so on but i'm guessing this is going to change that experience for them because there's all it's very there's one thing looking at a screen on a video call but i guess it feels and this is me talking to someone who doesn't engage with this virtual world at the moment it's going to feel quite different having your avatar and being in a room that feels like you are experiencing being in a room with with lots of other people is that is that going to feel potentially quite uncomfortable for people who are not socially confident? Um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to work out for people who are wary about embracing something new, embracing technology, embracing lots of people, whether actually this is going to feel quite exposing for them. I think, uh, yeah, the, I think it will do because it's incredibly new. The, the sort of cues of familiarity, the sort of social cues and codes and all the rest of it are sort of are different and, and perhaps not there. And I can imagine there's going to be an enormous amount of anxiety. You know, I can imagine lots of people will feel very anxious when they have to attend their first virtual meeting, you know, kind of. And the worst case scenario is that you're working from home, a headset turns up, you're told to plug it, you're given some instructions, you're told to plug it in and get on with it. And, and so I think for introverts or, or for anyone, mm. it's kind of how, how do I work? How do I how do I represent myself? How do I interact with people? You know, what am I, what am I missing? Because we're, we're, we're avatars and kind of, you know, I'm not getting all this nonverbal, you know, cause that's the thing. So much communication is, you know, is nonverbal. Exactly. How, how, how does that work in a, in a, in an, in an online environment where it's a figure or something like that? And that, and that's something I'm wary about because a lot of people have said that they struggled with going to video calls through the pandemic because there's so much lost you know the way we interact and connect with each other um just being less physical physically present but if we are engaging with avatars and so on that means we're even more more removed from being able to see people's non-verbal communication in a way that we can Ooh. through video calls so we're getting further and further away from human interaction and that's got to come at quite a cost, I would assume. Yeah, and I think it, it, it puts a lot of focus on, 
you know, it makes it harder. I can imagine, you know, people already report that, that video calls are tiring mm. and, and they are. So I can imagine that, that you know, the, the cost of being in this environment is going to be quite tiring for people. But also I think it means that other things like, you know, chat and messaging between individuals and things like that are going to become more important than they probably have. Which is which is a different modality for a lot of people in meetings. A lot of people are, you know, particularly kind of, you know, you sort of older generation grew up. You go to a meeting, you give them it, it's a, your undivided attention, and you're not messaging or, or whatever. Which, frankly, I think is probably you know fair and right. But but actually, what we're asking people to to be truly productive in meetings is they have to kind of tend to what's going on. But maybe they need to have a sidebar conversation on chat with somebody else. Maybe they need to fend something else. And we know that you know anyone who's done a webinar when you're talking and there's a load of questions coming through it's really hard to kind of to deliver yeah. good content and then kind of like yeah. look at the question and do the whole thing so you know we are we're simply not wired to multitask well I don't I don't care what people say about you know kind of people learning to do that it's just not how we're wired yeah, you know, we are wired to be focused on things and that's you know and that actually that wire to be focused on thing is actually the practice of mindfulness, which is one of the things that's very important in the kindness corporation. It's about being fully present to mm. fully present as much as you can, can be. And that's going to be hard for a lot of people in, in this environment. So it's going to be stuff we're going to have to learn. And so I guess there's with organizations embracing or kind of getting to grips with the metaverse, then there needs to be, very careful consideration about how that's introduced in terms of, for example, your lovely example of get a headset arrive in the post, I was being told to plug it in and get on with it. And there will be plenty of companies that do take that mm -hmm. approach. Um, and think about how to make that, you know, actually how do you even stick one of these things on your head or how do you, um, what, what you're gonna see when you put it on or should I be standing up or sitting down or I have to move around? All the really kind of what we might think of as daft questions, but for they are the questions that need asking they're the questions that need kind of I guess breaking down and, and going back to the basics of how to make this safe but also then how to put in the, the boundaries around if I'm feeling uncomfortable or if it feels a bit overwhelming or if it feels you know, it feels just a bit much because it's just different so different to what I'm used to is it okay if I just remove myself is it you know is it okay if I put boundaries on actually how long I'm in these spaces or because you don't want people suddenly having to go at such a pace of change for them in terms of how they've normally done things that it just feels so overwhelming they end up rejecting this whole change rather than embracing it and and that's that's so important and that's in many senses what what happened with covid when we first you know we all all use zoom nobody's heard of zoom particularly before that mm. suddenly we're all, all using it and you know that there, there were no there was no insights around about amount of time that you you're on there there was then the whole thing about you know do you blur your background or not and if you have blurred your background what does that mean it's kind of like uh, and and then people feeling anxious about well you know kind of sort of maybe my internet connection is not that brilliant and now I'm working from home so actually I've got this big meeting coming up so maybe I have to go somewhere else I mean the the I think it's with all of these things 
that involve people within the organization. It needs it needs kind of honesty and open conversation about what is happening and kind of what it means for, for people. And that, that's one of the biggest reasons why, you know, I'm enjoying this conversation and conversations like this, because I'm basically trying to encourage people to talk about what's happening and what's what's happening now, what's coming up to, to create a forum and discussion about what works best for people, what works best for the organization, what, what works best for the people who work there. And so if you've got uh, people listening to this who are thinking, actually, I'm not really sure what it means. Let's say leaders, but, and they are not necessarily aware of what this means for them, how it's going to change the way their organisation might work. Where would they go to find out more so that they can have these relevant conversations with their workforce? Because I often think as well, we expect leaders to just be able to talk with a sense of confidence about um, where the company's going next. But if it's something quite different perhaps to what they're used to where do they get their facts and their you know, their knowledge and that sense of support for make what's maybe an alien world to them um there's the obvious go, go to my website piece yeah. which, you know, I'm, I'm bound to say but but on the website the there are explainers there's one about the roi of kindness there's also one about working in the metaverse where i've really pulled together what i think are some of the best facts and kind of some of the implications so that's not a bad place to start mm-hmm. i think I, if a leader of an organization whether you're a people person or kind of you know broader leadership whatever it is it doesn't really matter I think it's about you know a couple of things it's about having broad conversations with anyone in your organization who you think might have an interesting perspective mm-hmm. so that could be your IT person it could be some of the younger people in the organization it's basically you'll know some folk in there who probably know something about this mm-hmm. you know one of the first things I would do is just have a conversation about with them about what they know what they're thinking about what they're worrying about and then then it's basically you know if I was again leading an organization I'd get some form of working group going I'd I'd make this into a thing that is important for our organization it's something that we think about but I would make it broad ownership I wouldn't make this a a people thing or an HR thing or a technology thing because it's not it's both of those things and more so I think that's, you know, get, get inform yourself for the facts, but also then get yourself, you know, the capabilities and the understanding. I'd also encourage you to talk to uh, the youngest people you can within your organization as well, because bear in mind, you know, as I talked about, all kids growing up now are gamers, you know, they, they have been living with this technology. And, you know, because the truth is, these immersive worlds, you know, I, I was involved in these in the, back in the 1990s, you know, it's kind of they, the technology has been around. It's like all of these things. There's not going to be a sudden kind of like, oh, here it all is. All these things are present and they're all growing and developing and being more used, used more often. So they're there. People have experience of working in these places and these spaces. So, so go and find people in your organization who, who have that point of view. But also, I think it's important to, you know, if you've got a head of people, head of culture, you know, kind of, you know, pick off the, the the important roles and get them to form a point of view on what it means for the culture of the organization. What does it mean for the, 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 the governance and the policies of the organization? What does it mean for the data that you collect on your workers and what happens to that? So you need to kind of get to a place where you've got a really strong view of, of, of what it all means to you as an organization and then kind of what you're going to do about it in a way that, that works. And it doesn't matter that that sort of you know some people Satya Nadella from Microsoft says the the metaverse is already here mm. you know sort of uh, uh, other people say it's three years or or 10 years away it, you know the thing is 
it's it's like the iPhone and the mobile internet. This the problem that when when that all really kicked off was when the when the third generation of iPhone came out and they had the kind of processing power and the internet. But for most people, there's not a point of way, you know, mobile internet and it's always on, it's always here. It's just something that kind of like suddenly right. it's all in our lives. And that's what the metaverse will be like. So you know, in 10 years time, when we're having this conversation, this will seem very naive and redundant because it will just be everywhere. And I and I like the idea of having a working group, um, which I'm a real fan of working groups when there's any kind of change. But I guess it's for creating opportunity for people just to ask questions and say, you know, what is it you want to know more about? What is it you're not sure mm. about? And a lot of that will probably, probably be how does this fit into what I do already? How's that going to impact my day-to-day -day experience and being able to just ask lots of questions and there's a fair chance people in the organization won't necessarily be able to answer them all at the moment mm. they can certainly go somewhere and speak to someone who can mm. but it's I guess beginning to find out what people's anxieties are or just their uncertainties are which I think can be quite powerful just for re reducing some of those some of that kind of resistance to yeah. that change which which is coming yeah, absolutely. I'm always a great believer in getting organizations to admit what their problems are. Mm. Because when they admit what their problems are, that's the kind of first step to doing something about them. But also that admission, particularly if that admission is done in ways that are, you know, public perhaps when they when they need to be, are incredibly motivating for people. So, you know, admitting you don't know what the metaverse is, but you're going to go out there and find mm. out find out about it. You know, it's surfacing the, the anxieties that people have. And it could be huge anxieties about, you know, how you dress, how you turn up, or are we going to spend, you know, all of our life with a headset on? You know, you've got to face into these things because if you don't, people just create their own sort of stories and their own, you know, rationales and the, you know, they make things up that may or may not be true. And do you think, because that was making me think about, um, you know, people embracing this, do you think there'll be some companies who say, right, we're going to go to, you know, operating this virtual world 100%. And then there are going to be other companies who say, right, we're not, we're not engaging with this. It's a bit like the work, remote working. No, I want everyone in my office, or actually you can all just work from wherever you want to work. Mm. So is that, do you think we will end up with a kind of, what I would call a sort of sensible blended approach or do you think there will be some companies who just resist and some companies who say right everyone who works here we're expecting you to be doing this pretty much all of the time that this is how we just work from now on I think I think you just have to look at the big a lot of big firms and the kind of the the erosion of of the ability to work at home you know it's it generally seems to be accepted that it's either four or three days that you have mm. to be in the office now. So, you know, you've got firms like Apple, you know, they're technology companies saying you kind of, and you have to be there. So, so my worry is that what you'll have is these large organizations will basically kind of erode things that are working for people because the policy works for the organization. You know, yes. they want to have people in the office because they've got a massive office that they kind of like, they're, they're yes. fill and they can't get rid of it for ages. So, so this is the issue I think that we face is that, it will much as the much as the metaverse is being created to serve the interests and often nefarious interests of the tech giants, the, the, our experience, particularly our work experience of the metaverse, will serve the interests of our employers and not necessarily our, ourselves. And I think that's why it's important that the kind of you know the people have a voice, as it were, that, that we that, and that's listened to within an organisation. Otherwise, you'll just be in a place where there'll be some firms who go. 
we expect a day on the meta on the metaverse working in that every and i can i can see this happening we expect you to spend us a whole day working in these environments mm. a week at least and that day is going to be a wednesday and and that might just not work for people you know it might be too much it might be too much of a mental and, and you know stimulus load or whatever mm. so so it might yeah i do worry that there are going to be some organizations that are going to mandate and then there are going to be some organizations, there are going to be some organizations, you know, sort of who go, this really works with our culture and how we work. And, you know, kind of like just grab the headsets on and let's let's make this meeting kind of, you know, a, a, in a virtual room because we're being creative. That work, that can work for them and their culture. And there are going to be some organizations that just now, you know, the kind of technology laggards, as it were, who just aren't into it and and maybe that's fine because they don't need it particularly and 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 the business is fine for them. I guess there might be some who are just wary about how they look after colleagues and how they, without seeing them. So how do we, you know, I know one of the uh, great worries that a lot of managers had for their teams during the pandemic is how do I know if they're okay? How do mm. I know if, um, you know, cause I could just see this little face on the screen, but actually I don't really know. I, I don't get a sense of actually what their mental wellbeing is like and so on. And so, I imagine some companies or some leaders will be worried or actually, you know, all employees potentially could be worried about missing vital signs about is someone OK or not OK? How do we now, you know, that human interaction, which much more easily communicates if someone's OK or not, we're going to miss a whole chunk of that. Um, and that's, I guess, a slight worry for some people and which I can kind of relate to. I know when my husband and I had this debate years and years ago and he's into tech and he was saying we're going to get to a world where no one has to leave their room we can all just communicate with each other via our rooms I was like oh my goodness like I hope that never happened because we need human interaction um and suddenly it's kind of veering towards we could all just be operating in our in our own little rooms somewhere and missing a whole chunk of stuff so am I am I someone who's a bit naive and needs to I'm gonna I'm gonna no, I'm gonna share us so there is that yeah. And there is the not picking up on cues. I mean, I'm sure you've said this to time and time again to, to manager level. Have a conversation. You know, yeah. if you've got to pick up the phone or whatever, just have a coffee, sit down with somebody. You, you can do this. Mm. And, and a lot of the time, as you as we all know, a lot of the times the, the manager's saying, I don't know how my team are doing. So you're not properly asking them. Every meeting you have is kind of task related. And it's not actually about how are you really? How are you really? You know, you're really getting on. So th there's that piece. But there's a there's a there's a frightening scenario, which is um, you can imagine the conversation that somebody might have with with you, Lisa, when they say, um, so in the last 10 meetings, you um, only spoke for 15 percent of the time. And that compares with 25 uh, percent and the 10 beforehand. We also note that you only smiled for three percent of the time as well. And that compares with seven percent in the last 10 meetings. You know, why is that? And. Yeah. That is something that can and will, we have that capability. You know, there's already technology out there to kind of like to detect how much you're saying in a, in a meeting and things like that. And this is, you know, if, I don't know what, you know, we're on Zoom, but, you know, I use Teams a lot. You know, what are they doing with the, this interaction data? Is there anything? Do they, are they, are they measuring? You bet they're measuring how much I'm talking versus how much you're talking. So th there's a really worrying scenario where, where actually, 
people have these new data sets that are about interactivity and how we are smile, how much is our avatar smiling and things like that, that is then being used as data, which is used to manage and appraise and, you know, sort of, you know, kind of develop us as it, as it were. So that in many senses is, is more frightening because where was the permission that the employee gave for the data to be, you know, to be used in the, or be recorded in this way, yeah. used in this way. And, you know, does that, if you're able to measure amounts of interaction, somebody could only say something for less than five minutes, but actually change the course of that meeting thing for, forever. Yeah. And so, so we have to be really careful about how we use these technologies, particularly the data that's kind of thrown off them as well. There's so much to think about, isn't there? Because actually, <laughs> because I mean, that's such a good point about, you know, if you were having a, a conversation around the table, someone, you know, good old days, someone would be writing minutes, they'd only capture time at the conversation, everyone would leave and that'd be that. Whereas now potentially everything can be analysed. Um, mm. And is it valid data? You know, is it, as you say, I mean, it's a great example, someone speaking lots doesn't necessarily mean they're adding any value, because mm. it sounds their own voice. So, mm. um, so you talk a lot about working kind. And I'm interested to know, and I know I asked you this um, when we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about how working kinds and um, your focus on that, how that fits really well with Metaverse. And I know you did, because you did a really large study last, was it last year? You mm -hmm. conducted a really massive study. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. interested to know a little bit more about what you found from that study and whether how that might inform us going forward in terms sure. of working kind. Um, all sorts. Uh, it's on the mm -hmm. website, um, in the show notes. Uh, it's called the State of Kind Business, um, and it's going to be repeated in, in some way. It was basically a study of the working population in the UK and the US done in November of last year, um, the representative examples of, of the UK and US working population. We also talked to C-suite uh, leaders to kind of get their perspective uh, as well. And really what we were trying to find out, which is what is the lived experience of kindness at work for people um, and what do they want it to be? And there's a whole stack of things that, that came out, you know, mental health, you know, um, sort of overwork, uh, uh, real issues for, for people. We, we've got data about, you know, kind of how people feel at the start of the day versus how they feel at the end of the day. And sort of a lot of people, uh, you know, reporting they're feeling exhausted, burnt out, you know, sad, mm -hmm. you know, and the, the data also breaks down into kind of, you know, the sort of uh, sex, gender and all the rest of it, kind of that sort of thing. Um, significantly, we, we found that, um, that in in both UK and, and, and globally, 84% um, of people said that they would like to work for a kind company or a kind organization, but only 66% of people said they actually do. When we asked the CEOs and C-suite of those organizations, 100% of them thought that they were running a kind organization. So, so what we learned is that there is a a real sense of a desire for kindness. We also saw that people tended to see that their colleagues are kind. You know, the, the issues that people were having tended to be those with management and often those with the kind of the strategies and, and the directions of the company. We found, uh, I can't remember the stat off the top of my head, but it'll, it'll be in the show notes, you know, that the percentage of people, are uh, sort of young people in their early 20s who prepared to go and work for less money mm. for an organisation that had a you know, positive social impact 
impact was was phenomenal. You know, it was just really, really high. So, so what we see is a is a real desire to work for organisations that that people regard as kind. That's worth a quick sidebar. You know, we talk about work kind. So for for us, kindness is a commitment in thought, word, and action. So that's a commitment in thought, word, and action to leave everyone and everything better. So that's, kindness is about leaving everyone and everything better. So if you think about a meeting where people have been heard, there was a clear agenda, you walked away with clear actions, you know, everyone was positive, you know, that's a kind meeting versus lots of people's experience, people turning up late, talking over each other, not quite sure why you're there. You know, that's an unkind meeting. Um, so, so we found that, that there's a real strong desire for kindness at work. But it's just not present. It's so. This is one of the, the kind of the, the conversations we have all the time. You talk to people at kind of lower levels, and they say, "Yeah, our colleagues are really. We're all really kind to each other." Then you ask, uh, you know, sort of leaders. They get, "I'd love to love uh, to run a kind organization that has a positive impact on people and planet." But then it, it's missing in the middle. So the missing in the middle bit is really, for me, worrying about the, the metaverse. So, you know, if we we say that work kind is basically about, you know, leaving everyone and everything better. So and the, uh, the book I wrote, The Kindness Code, talks about seven steps to unlock the power of kindness at work. The first of which is to acknowledge the power of kindness. So share lots of data on, on how powerful it is. And people do. And you can see that people want to work for kind environments. The second key to unlocking the power of kindness at work is that kindness starts with you. And that's so important that, that you are working in ways yourself that are kind, that you're respecting yourself, you're creating boundaries, you're having time out. You know, you are you are working well, literally working well. You're working kind for yourself. And so if we think about the metaverse, well, then it, there's an individual responsibility here as well as an organizational one, which is okay, I've now realized I'm going to be working in this way and it's going to come up on me faster than, than I think. So what does that mean? What, is, what does the metaverse mean to me? How do I feel about this? So as important it is at an organizational level to decide what the metaverse is and, and kind of what it means and what it means strategically, it's also really important individually you go, oh, I hadn't thought about this before and I've never worn a VR headset in my life. You know, maybe I should start thinking about this. And I think that is a positive thing for an individual to do because it basically means that you're investing in yourself and, and your career. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, a there's a lot there to think about. And, and what goes through my mind as I'm listening to you talking about, there's been lots of focus or lots of emphasis on leaders being more kind um, over the last number of years. So, um, you know, kind of themselves, kind to their colleagues, their teams and so on. And it actually reminds me of a book that you uh, told me about, um, introduced me to the book, Return on Character by Fred Keel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He writes about the um, evidence between the character, leadership, excellence and organisational results. And I'm just wondering if so. So leaders have been working quite hard on thinking about how or well, some leaders have been working quite hard on thinking about how they show up and how they um, are kinder um, to themselves and with other people. I guess my question is how how can they keep that self-awareness and that kindness very evident if if the the way they interact is becoming more virtual so can kindness and those sorts of characteristics come through avatars or does that is that an aside so you have your avatar over here 
doing this stuff, but actually my kindness is really going to come through as one-to-one coffees I'm still going to have with people. Is there going to be, how do you blend those? Kindness comes through, should come through everything. Mm. Much as kindness, you know, don't, don't be a keyboard warrior and kind of write a nasty email and then be all sweetness and light when you meet somebody, you know, sort of one has to be consistent and, and kindness is something that you can't, you can't say, I'm going to keep that to, sort of you know real world or phone calls or something like that and that's you know that's why I kind of shared that definition of you know leaves everyone and everything better so if you are in a situation in which you are you know about to work virtually or you've started doing it attend to how you are leaving everyone and everything better I gave the joke example of the headset just turning up with some instructions (laughs) on how to use it that would be an example of the the HR or the technology team or whoever it is not leaving any everyone better they haven't thought through the consequences of what they've intended they've just basically thought oh right everyone needs a headset let's send it to them and they haven't actually thought through the 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 anxiety the kind of the uncertainty the kind of like they haven't thought through the ways that actually that, that itself could be a kind experience and so this is the work that we do is we we get people to think about the policies and the practices and the cultures and and kind of the decisions they make and think is there a is there a kinder way is there a kinder thing that we can do that that serves everybody Mm. and and so that's you have to look at the virtual reality and and working in in the metaverse with that same lens which is you know how do I personally thrive but how do I make sure that I'm helping others to thrive because if we do that then we all get the best result and so some of that will be you know, knowing that, for example, some people are going to be extremely anxious about being in that environment and how, you know, not just even as a leader, how is you in a team interaction where you're all there for the first time, and you realise that, you know, one of your colleagues hasn't said that much, you know, what do you do? How do you support them? Because because you've noticed it and chances are somebody may not notice it. So kind of it's sort of responsibilities on you to, to, to really try and do as a human is to try and do something mm. for them. So how do people um, have their voice in terms of this this metaverse is uh, coming? It's, it's something that's going to, it's going to, um, to impact. And I think it's interesting hearing you talk about time scale. You know, some people are saying it's here now. Some people are saying two or three years. Some people are saying 10 years. But if people want to have a voice in terms of being able to uh, share that wider than just within their own organisation, is that something that they can do via you uh, or how do they so so that so that um sense of actually we we want to make sure that we keep people at the heart of what we do and we don't it doesn't just all become too disconnected from us being human how do people kind of communicate their yeah. concerns uh, uh thanks for that question uh I mean, there's a couple of things that there's there's what I'm doing here now and I'm doing more of that. And and basically, you know, it may seem like a strange connection, the connection between kindness and the, the metaverse. But it's one of those connections that, that actually because it probably is quite strange. People go, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't even thought of the two together. So so I, I, I do a lot of talking and kind of have conversations about this. But what what I'm particularly interested in, and there is, again, it'll be in the show notes, there's the metaversecoalition.com, which is a collaborative um, piece of work that um, well, they, a startup who are basically working in the knowledge space, the called Kahana. Uh, we've, we basically created a hub 
for knowledge about the metaverse where we are going to populate it with information so the kind of explainers that I talked about will be there as well. The most important thing about that hub is that there is a survey on there and there are some questions that we we're inviting everybody and anybody to kind of to fill out and it's really questions about your hopes and fears of working in the meta, living and working in the metaverse. It's kind of like, it's your opportunity to add your voice to, to that of thousands now to basically let us know what you're worrying about, what you're excited about, you know, what you haven't thought about. You know, there's some, some good questions in there. We thought long and hard about them. And what we intend to do is once we get to kind of a critical point, may be, we may do that at the start of next year, just kind of like, because it's going to be Christmas soon, um, is, is basically share that. And, and the reason we're, we're, we're pulling this all together and sharing those insights is that really we want to give people further information, further further knowledge and further understanding of, of what's coming and what people are worried about. Because I have a I have a huge worry, which is it's no accident that Facebook changed its name to Meta. You know, already when we've been asking people sort of, you know, ad hoc, you know, what is the metaverse? You know, people saying it's meta, you know, and, and that was that's why they did what they did. They kind of <laughs> like, they, you know, they're, they're essentially land grabbing. So the, the, the tech giants uh, are, are going to... Uh, much as with social media, they're going to control their experience, they're going to own our data, and they're going to take it places that serve them and their advertising and their, their financial model needs, not us as humans. You know, these tech giants, they've got the power to change the world and, and make the world a, a better place. They don't because they're about money. So so we're really interested in um, in finding out what you know, ordinary, normal people, you know, people who are going to be living and working in these environments want and what they're worried about. And to use that as a, as a source of insight and kind of hopefully lobby, you know, sort of to, to get a metaverse that works for us, and not just one that works for them. So that's the metaversecoalition.com. There's a survey there, please, please fill it out. Yeah, I'd urge everyone to do that because I think it's, it goes back to that whole sense of having a voice yeah. and shaping your experience. And that's what I are very passionate about enabling people to do to kind of make their day-to-day -day experience work as, as well as it can do for them and i'd also urge people who are interested in what the future of work looks like to engage with um to engage with or connect with the organization engage for success and the future work, work forum um, and i've recorded episodes of this podcast with inspirational leaders from those um, organizations so david mcleod and stuart nielsen and the links for those are in the show notes so as we finish, Magnus, what must-dos should leaders go away and do from this conversation? Like, so what would you like to see people doing differently to make sure um, they are thinking about and doing something about this, um, the metaverse? Uh, there are two things. I would like people to have the, the word work kind kind of emblazoned on their forehead. I'd like them to be thinking about are they working in ways that leave everyone and everything better? You know, are, are, am I making decisions? Am I showing up to meetings? Am I, is everything I'm doing, you know, much as I hope anyone who's listened to this conversation has walked away feeling better, better, more, more understanding, you know, is that how I work? And if that isn't how I work, what am I going to do about it? And then if you're a leader, is that how my organization works? And if it isn't the way that we work or there are pockets of it that, 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 that isn't kind, what are we going to do about it? So the, there's that. And then the second piece is really to, to, to get an understanding of what the metaverse is. You, you, you know, if you listen to all of this, you've already you know, you've done more work than most people ever have. You know, just get get ahead of things as much as you can so that you can put yourself and your organization 
and the people that you're responsible for in a in a better place as as this comes along and and be open and honest and open a dialogue about what this is you know it wouldn't surprise me if you saw kind of head of metaverse type titles within people teams and things like that kind of growing you know quite quickly because it's significant and so you know it's don't be like when COVID hit us and we kind of just walked into it and it was kind of like we're blindsided. We know it's coming this time. So, you know, get yourself in a place where where you and your organization and, and yourself personally and the individuals can thrive. Brilliant. Now, a question I'm asking all my guests in this series, what's top of your list, Magnus, which might be personal or professional for the next three months? That's a very good question. So I'm on the cusp of my birthday. So that's very, very high on my uh, agenda at the moment, because basically it means I've got one day of work tomorrow and then then, then I'm on my birthday. Obviously, that will pass by the time this comes out. Um, I what's on my list for the end of the year I think as we get towards the end of the year it's always a really good time to reflect on kind of how how's it been how's it how's it going so the the thing that I I did a really I did a really wonderful exercise it's called the perfect day exercise where you basically map out how you want your day to be and you kind of like you literally write out almost hour by hour kind of like get that sense and I, and I did that the other day and I was delighted to see that you know now that I've work for you know with the kindness corporation and you know we'll live and work in a houseboat that my my day is pretty much kind of like you know quite close to that but also the, there's an intention piece as well I sort of set some goals for you know really where I'd like to you know to take the business in particular so you know the, the big thing for for me for the rest of this year is am I living and working in ways that are kind to myself but also am I you know if I if I you know I've got another book that I'm sort of now looking to write well actually am I sitting down and writing that book well no I'm not at the moment so I kind of need to create the time and space to do that so I suppose the short thing is about being very intentional about living and working in ways that kind of fulfill my goals and my objectives but also that are good for me and look after me and the people I work with bit of round of applause there awesome answer um my very final question for you is from um, Graham Ballantyne, another guest on this podcast, who's asked a blind question, which is, I've always seen leadership as a privilege and one where we are here to support our people, to create a legacy of supporting others. Do you agree or not? What's been your experience? Uh, it's, I don't often start with a negative, but I'll start with the negative in this case where I think when leadership is seen as a right, then that I've seen some of the worst behavior, human behavior that I've ever seen. I am a great believer in the kind of slightly sort of, you don't hear about it as much as I think you should, the idea of servant leadership. And it goes back to my view that every time I've been a leader, I thought my job is really to help everybody else thrive and get out of the way. And every time I've done that, every time I've let people speak more than meetings and kind of like, you know, been a true servant to to them and their talents and what we're trying to achieve as an organisation, things have gone better when I've let my ego and kind of like, oh, I know better than this. And all, yeah, we did this before and here's the answer. It, It never works. So I agree. I think leadership is an absolute privilege. 
but it's also it's something that we do every day there's this kind of fallacy that leaders are the, these people in a corner office and kind of like you know the old people and really important we lead ourselves we lead our children we lead our colleagues you know we are showing leadership in all sorts of ways and and in doing that we actually lead you know in many many ways more ways than we probably realize and and in doing that we're actually helping make a better world for everybody you are awesome magnus i love the way you just you you i love the way you deliver very important messages which are actually just such simple messages um it's it's not what you talk about is not beyond the realms of of people just to think right now what could i do to be a kinder person um and if and if we all started just asking ourselves that question what regardless whether we're a leader or not just whoever we are whatever our role is in life just how to make ourselves um to show up to be be kinder to ourselves kinder to other people um the planet would be a lot nicer place wouldn't it it would do. <laughs> so much for joining me and, and thank you so much for explaining the metaverse uh so well because i know when we talked about this when we met a few months ago um and then we had a conversation more recently i was thinking oh my goodness this is going to be an interesting one because i'd know nothing about the metaverse really um but i have i feel a lot more informed um i i'm actually looking at it in a in a very different way now in terms of how we can pull all the different threads together that have become so um, evident since the pandemic in terms of you know how we look after people's mental health and how we connect and so on and actually we can still achieve all that through the metaverse we just have to do it very intentionally um, with our eyes <laughs> our eyes wide open so I think I would encourage people to read up more on this with the, the links that you've talked about that are going to be in the show notes engage with the survey um, make your views known and maybe reach out to you and, and carry on the conversation so thank you so much Magnus Thank you very much. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you for joining me today on the Beyond the Water Cooler podcast. I hope it's got you thinking about how you can make a real difference to company culture that enables people to engage and thrive. I'm always about providing real value and so I need your help. Please rate the podcast and review it to let me know what you have enjoyed and found helpful. Maybe you also have ideas about specific topics or guests who you would like to hear from in the future. If you would like to explore any of the points covered in these episodes, I would love to hear from you. Let's continue the conversation. Email me at it's time for change or connect with me on LinkedIn or why not pick up the phone? I love to walk and talk. My details are in the show notes. Please do let me know what inspires you. That way I can make sure what I'm talking about is most helpful. Until next time, bye for now.